The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. We are T minus 40 until launch. Everything good up there, astronaut Grinnell? All systems clear, command post. Heat shields in place? Heat shields in place. Orbital maneuvering system working? Yep, orbital thing system working. Forward reacting control? All good. The booster? Um, hang on. Uh, astronaut Grinnell? The booster? Uh, Lindsay, we have a problem. Give me a minute here to work on that booster. Hi. Hi. Here for my rocket booster. Your rocket booster? Okay, if you just want to head to the back of the store, there's some chairs there. Somebody will be right with you. So this is a half dose? This is a half dose of Moderna for anyone uh, under 70. Their booster is a half dose of Moderna, full dose of Pfizer. So is it a, is it still a full booster? It's still a full booster. Okay. So I'll still blast off? You still blast off. Um, I don't want to lose you on any of the jargon or anything, but will it be a hurdy at all? Will I feel anything? Just a pinch when it goes in. But afterwards? I mean, afterwards, you may have some symptoms because you're young. Ish. Um, Youngish. <laughs> Thank you. You're young. Um, our immune systems are already activated to recognize this. So deep breath in. That's it? That's it. I can now take off. I can now blast off. Yes. Do people call it like the third dose or fully vaccinated or can I just go with booster? Five, you can go with four, booster. Three, two, one. A slightly sore arm for about a day. Small price to help conquer the evil Omicron. And we will. Welcome to the program. My name is Denny Grignot. I will be your astronaut for the next 35 minutes or so. Is an electric vehicle really feasible in Kawartha Lakes? Early adopter William McCallum shares his evidence to suggest it is. And speaking of feasible, the city has commissioned a feasibility study to determine if we need a cultural center and what it would look like. The study's chair, Susan Taylor, has some ideas, born of her work as a big booster of the arts here. Kawartha Lakes Stories is a new book of short stories by some local authors. Sarah Walker tells us about that and what conditions she set for the contributors. Hint, they weren't all that strict. We are one minus T before we launch into episode 45 of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. And no, I do not know what T minus means. So why don't we just start the show now with a card game, shall we? So in the game box, there are 12 decks that represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. Everyone who's playing starts with five cards from their chosen deck based on your zodiac sign. Okay, um, and I should preface this by saying I'm cognizant of it, but I'm not necessarily an astrology um, total buy-in-er, <laughs> but in losing on the jargon, I'm a Leo. Okay. That's me learning to play a new game called Sun Moon Rising with one of its creators, Lindsay's Emily Nickel. Leos uh, like to entertain. They like the spotlight. So I think that that would be a fitting career okay. uh, for you for sure. Emily was a student at the University of Victoria when shortly after meeting her new roommate, Priya Gill from Vancouver, she discovered that she and Priya had more than a passing interest in astrology. They also clearly had more than a passing interest in innovation and business. 
The two developed an astrology-based card game. You and I would vote on whether or not I think that this card is true about me. So this is really predicated on each other knowing each other. Now, I, I won't get into the little details of how the game is played, but know this. I picked it up super fast, and my family will tell you that I never pick up games even mildly fast. And and this game, while it's based on astrology, it isn't, uh, how do I put it? It isn't flaky. It's uh it's it's fun and it's largely about how well you really know the people who are playing and how well the players know themselves. So we really lean into the stereotypes. So Leo, there's going to be a lot of cards that are um, about loving the spotlight, liking attention. Um, but not necessarily all fawning or, or uh, Right, or, so or there, there's going to be some good ones. There's going to be some ones that might uh, roast you a little bit. Emily and Priya have already sold about a thousand of these games called Sun Moon Rising via their website, sunmoonrisinggame.com. A TikTok video that went viral with about a half million views. Well, that helped make that happen. I started by asking Emily, what's it like introducing this game, this creation, not a prototype, but an actual game to somebody new, somebody like me? I think the fun thing for me is that the game surprises people a lot. I think when people hear an astrology card game, and especially if they're not super into astrology, they're kind of uh, like, I, I don't know if that's really my kind of thing. But um, every time I play with new people, I think they're pleasantly surprised because they see the game is more about how well you know your friends and getting to know each other better and telling stories. I find a lot of times when we're going through the cards, there's there's a story that will come out after the round ends about the, the card um, that was flipped. So I think for me, that's the best part. And I've played with all different demographics and my parents love it and they play with their friends. And it's always so nice to hear that. I had certain preconceived notions of somebody who would create a game about astrology. Mm -hmm. And in the short time that I've met you, you don't seem to fit that mold. <laughs> How surprised are your peers and your family to know that you created this? Um, I think um, my family might have been a little bit surprised that this was something, astrology, that I, that I took an interest in. Um, in terms of my peers, I think astrology is a lot more mainstream these days. I, come? I, I think there was a boom in the pandemic. Actually, I think um, a lot of people came into some free time. A lot of people had more time for self-reflection. And I think with that came a desire to understand yourself better. And astrology is kind of a tool for that. If you um, learn how to study your birth chart, there's there's all these different aspects of your birth chart that can, can tell you things about yourself. And even if everything doesn't resonate, um, I think it, it can still force you to look inward and kind of the things that do resonate, you can you can learn more about yourself. There is a, a contrast, though, almost a contradiction, dare I say, because you're, you're studying sciences. For sure. I think for me, it, it's, it honestly comes very natural. I, I study uh, mental health primarily, and, and I think one of the reasons I study mental health is because I have a, a yearning to understand myself better, and uh, I think that astrology does that for sure. And like I said, it, whether or not everything resonates or everything is, is, is an exact science, for me, it's more just a tool and, and, and it can be paired with, with real psychological analysis to, to help you understand yourself. One of the traits of uh, like a cancer, say, is people-pleasing. I'm a cancer rising. 
and I might think, oh, you know what? I am a people pleaser in my own life, and that's something I could work on. So for me, that's that's the benefit of it for sure, and that's how I kind of marry the two, the science and, and the astrology and the psychology. Now, there is a very uh, or, or almost fun, low-stakes thing in all of that, you know, reading people's signs at a party when you're mm-hmm. just hanging out and having fun. Describe to me that process when the two of you, you and your partner, had to sit down and, and really map out the rules. That was tricky, and... and- with conceptualizing the game, we, we went through a few different versions of it. But one thing from the beginning we knew we wanted was that it would be fun for everyone and that you didn't have to know about astrology or have much knowledge in order to play. Because at the end of the day, we, we really wanted it to be about bringing people together and, and getting to know each other, especially this really started rolling once the pandemic started and, and people were isolated and not spending a lot of time with other people and really getting to know each other and yeah yeah so um that's kind of what we decided but it it definitely um took us a few months to to get the rules down for sure did you ever argue honestly no the the great thing about me and uh priya is that we we've always had the same vision we've always had the same goals and in terms of the game in, in just in our friendship too, we we have really good communication. I would say, you know, the funnest part about developing the game is that um, what is writing the statements on the cards. We based on ourselves and on our friends and family. You know, traits about the people we know. So for us, the game is really personal. The first card we ever wrote was a Scorpio card, and this and the card was I have been ghosted in the past year. And that was um, a true story uh, within our own lives. One of us had been going through um, some relationship turmoil. I'm not going to ask which one. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> and that was the first card. And we, we both thought, oh, this is so funny. And, and Scorpios are known for being kind of aloof and, and cutting people off. So that was the first card we ever wrote. And we thought, oh, this is something people can relate to. So then we started um, developing cards that way. You uh, you openly admit that the game will likely start a few arguments amongst the players and, you know, be prepared for that. Um, I think uh, at the end of the day, just try to keep it lighthearted. There's uh, a card, uh, a Sagittarius card that says, I have cheated on a significant other. And if you're in a group of your friends and, and your significant other is in the room or, you know, there, there could be some hesitation to answer the questions honestly or, and there might be some arguments or someone would say, no, I haven't cheated on anyone, but their friend might say, mm, I think that I know you and I think I know that you have cheated on someone. So that's kind of the kind of thing that could come up. There's, I th- we would say there's fairness, I think, among the signs. So everyone's going to be answering some, some tough questions at some point. I think that to me, a successful game would be people leave and they feel like they know their friends better. Um, Good and bad? Good and bad. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, just, yeah, learning things that you might not already know, having conversations that you might not otherwise have conversations about, uh, just a lot of laughter. That's something that I've encountered a lot. And and I think that's something that... um, it's just it's so healthy to to have that type of open dialogue and be able to laugh at your friends and laugh at yourself. I think a lot of times when I play this game, a lot of people get um, answers wrong for me, which is, it was just surprising to me because I, I would say that I'm like an, a fairly open person. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, it, it seems that they get things wrong. And then I think on myself and I reflect on myself and think, oh, maybe I'm not as open as I thought I was kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we have those conversations and, and that's great, especially when I'm playing with, with family or, you know, I've played with my cousins and my aunts and uncles and things like that. It's always a, a great time. 
Hi, my name is Emily Nickel. I'm from Lindsay, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. You can buy Sun Moon Rising, a novelty card game for astrology lovers, at sunmoonrisinggame.com. And you know what? You'll be supporting local business, too. The games were manufactured right here in Kawartha Lakes at Blewett Printing. Gotta love local, eh? And hey, you know what? We are 100% local media and part of The Advocate magazine, and The Advocate Online. We hope you'll like The Advocate Podcast Facebook page and subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. All free, thanks to our exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, do what I did when I needed a contract reviewed. Contact Carissa and Jason Ward and their team of lawyers at wardlegal.ca. They've got you covered. Could the city of Kawartha Lakes support a cultural center? Well, maybe some of you are asking if the city should support one. And if it does, well, should it be a renovated existing building or a brand new one? What would or could the center be home to? Our local government has commissioned an independent consultant to come up with answers before next summer. Based on market research, which will include your input via an online survey. I filled it out. It's uh, super easy. Susan Taylor is the executive director of Kawartha Art Gallery, as well as the chair of the Cultural Center Feasibility Study Task Force. I spoke to her at the gallery in Lindsay. It doesn't matter to me whether it's an old building or a new building. It really doesn't. It, what matters to me is the level of engagement, that what goes in under that roof meets the needs of our community. And our communities can't be compared to other communities. We are a community that has specific needs. I mean, we are a community that qualified for basic income. We we do have challenges. When we offer programming out of the facility, a dream of mine would be to offer programming out of the facility, could be art programming, that also could provide a hot lunch option for vulnerable sectors, as well as those just for the general public that want to take art programming classes for themselves, Mm -hmm. but also programming that identifies all the sec that creates opportunities for all the sectors in our community. What things can you point to that you can say, no, this is unique to the city of Kawartha Lakes that you're not going to see in in the Markhams or the Berries or or, or even the Peterboroughs? What, What kind of things make us unique? Well, I think a lot of the challenges we have are similar to other, what other communities have. Such as? Oh, our drug pro- drugs, um, homelessness. I, you, the city's in the development of a community safety and well-being plan, and under that plan, there's four identified priorities. It's uh, housing, youth, um, mental health and addiction, and uh, poverty. And I think that fairly well captures the challenges for ourselves as a community as well as other communities. But I think what this center gives us is a unique opportunity to put a model in place that doesn't copy the models in other areas, but a model that works to serve the needs, as many um, individuals in our community's needs as as possible. So, Well, let's talk a bit about that because I think a lot of people figure a cultural center, great, we walk into one room, a whole bunch of paintings hanging, no. walk into another room, we see a little theater space, walk into another room, it's workshops. But you're talking about meeting the needs of, of um, people who are dealing with addictions and homelessness. So how do you how do you marry art and culture with those communities? Well, Canadian Mental Health Association uh, in town here, 
they offer a Reach for Recovery program, which is an art, there's a component of art therapy in that programming that helps individuals working through um, recovery. Would there be an opportunity for an organization like that to be housed in a cultural center and to provide programming working with a art gallery that would be in that space? Could the space ha have artist studio space for rent? so that artists that live outside of area, uh, outside of uh, the central region like L Lindsay could rent a uh, studio space for working in or for doing lessons out of uh, to help uh, you know, bring some income in for themselves. I could bend your ear for a long time, Danny, talking about all the things that I think we could do in that space. Space for events, gift shop, coffee shop, things that help generate income because we have to look at a model that's going to make this, uh, keep the facility sustainable. What do you tell that person, Susan, who says, look, you know, a cultural center for artists and, and even for people in need, it's a nice idea. But then they start listing off hospitals, police, roads, and they don't see this cultural center as a priority. How do you convince them that a cultural center has a rightful place in that entire list and should not be way at the bottom? Part of the initiative behind the cultural center is to create a tourism draw. The city of Cortha Lakes having the opportunity to tap into a billion dollar industry for cultural tourism in Ontario alone. I really would like to see my community get a piece of that pie. And you look at how COVID, what it's done to the mental health um, of not just the Quarthas, but worldwide, and the interest in the arts, the support for the arts, uh, for helping people uh, work through mental health issues, is, is an untapped resource. You look at what COVID's done in driving more people from more urban centers to our area, I think there's going to, there is an, inf I don't think, I know there's an influx of people coming into our community who are used to an in increased level of cultural services, which we are not in a position to provide, I think this is a real opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Having been around artists, and, and I made much of my living in, in that community, uh, in performing arts, I, I know what that community can be like. There, there's a certain amount of guarded cynicism. Siloed. It's, a, it's very siloed. Siloed. Okay. That's a great term. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Then you, you're familiar with that. So. Yes. How, how convinced are you that this, this study is going to lead to a bricks and mortar building? And, and how, how convinced is that community that you're in touch with? How convinced are they? The model we've been supporting all along is a model that would have professional staff in place that would be shared staff that could be used by all the cultural organizations. I'm going to always remain optimistic. I'm Susan Taylor. I'm the Executive Director of Korth Art Gallery, as well as the Chair of the Cultural Centre Feasibility Study Task Force. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. I had the opportunity recently to meet and chat with a new neighbour and a really wonderful musician. We'll have that conversation for you in an upcoming episode. But here is some of her music now. Now of Omimi, full time, this is brand new music by Stella Panacci with I'm So Lucky. Well, I got no brothers and I got no sisters. 
got no mother or dad So I got me on a train to Phoenix, Arizona And they asked me if I joined the band And then my granny got sick So I had a split It was too much for the rest of From an album that will be released in late February, that is Stella Panacci with I'm So Lucky. Look for my conversation with Stella, a new neighbor since relocating full-time to the family cottage near Omimi, in an upcoming episode. Hey, here's a stocking stuffer for you. A copy of Kawartha Lake's Stories. 
This is a new book of short stories written by local authors. Now, some are full-time local and some are part-time local. Most of the stories are fiction, but all have a strong connection to and are inspired by our community. So, of course, while I had to meet the woman who's behind this project, Sarah Walker is an author in her own right and an anthologist, as well as the editor of Kawartha Lake Stories. Fitting that Sarah and I chatted in a kind of Lindsay landmark in the band shell at Victoria Park. I asked her not so much about the rules, but what guidelines she set out for the authors. I wanted stories set in Kawartha Lakes in the autumn season, and I was looking for up to about 5,000 words uh, of any genre. Most of them, um, this was uh, the first time being published for them, but but not everyone. Um, some of them are, are actually award-winning story writers, but for the new ones, um, and really for any one of them, I just looked at uh, the story itself. So what impact was this, the writer going for with this story? What, what are they trying to tell? What are they trying to say? Writers, like any creative person, they're... Um their work they're very it's very personal to them so how do you create that balance between letting them keep their stamp on it but also um, knowing that you know there, there's a certain standard so how do, you, how do you balance those two things in, in maintaining their own personality but also you know making a book that you want people to read right so um, that's a good question because um, because as the creator of something you can kind of feel very personal about it so I, I just try to approach it from from the aspect of the story being clear enough in the right in the reader's mind. One thing I've noticed with the book is there is um, sort of the split between the person telling the stories of them coming up here in the summer and their relationship to the cottage versus those who are the permanent residents who, who are here 12 months out of the year. So as the reader, what can I glean from those two different experiences? Um, Hmm. <laughs> Certainly with this, this anthology, we did get um, a few more stories of people coming to Kawartha Lakes and discovering it and deciding to stay. That's, it just seemed to me to be part of the, the greater theme of, of the Kawartha Lakes and how people know it. They do seem to have different perspectives. Um, the, I think the, the people coming into it tend to see nature a little bit more than the people who who are living here where we I think I'm not sure but I think that the people who are already established here tend to see uh, different types of people that are, are here and uh, maybe some of the undiscovered areas around us the the ones who are coming here found that they could be more of themselves when they they came out to um, escape I guess uh, to the the wilds of Kawartha Lakes um, something about being in nature and and then finding um, something more of, about themselves here than, than those who are already here You've had a chance to go through these and go through them very closely, and I'm sure you've developed an intimate relationship with these stories. In this book, which one stands out for you? The one I think is most surprising would be Cassandra Dove. Um, she's 13 years old, and she sent in a story. And I, I didn't have opportunities like this when I was a young writer, so I thought, um, you know, her story is actually really great. So um, we didn't have to do much to to be comparable to the others I thought that one was was 
the one that stands out, I think, and, and I, sh- I think she did a really good job. She she worked really well with uh, with the edits, and I, and I think it's a good a good story. What's it like for you as a a grown up writer to read this story from a 13 year old who's got that passion? Yeah, that I was really nicely surprised um, by the story um, because here was a it, it's a lovely fantasy set in Kawartha Lakes, which was. Fun for sure. The sea monster. Yes, the sea monster in in Lake Sturgeon Lake, and um, and it, it just it it definitely took me back to when I was thirteen and I was sending stuff out to writing contests, and and there just wasn't the the same opportunities back then. So. And the whole point of the the Course of the Lake Stories anthologies is to give local writers opportunities to be in print and to work with an editor and have that experience. So I, I just really wanted to give her that experience. I've lived here all my life, and when I tell people um, I'm from Course of the Lakes, they're like, oh, where's that? For the person who's never been to Course of the Lakes and thinks it's all just part of the, the greater Peterborough area, what would you like them to to learn from this book about 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 Kawartha Lakes and the people here. Um, well, I'm hoping that people will see that we're we're worth their time to stop and explore a little bit. That we're we're more than just um, cottages and uh, you know water toys on the lake. Where um, that there's all kinds of things to explore, all kinds of, of wonderful things about the local area that people haven't yet discovered. So I just want people to stop and and take a little bit of time here. I'm Sarah Walker, I'm from Cameron, and you're listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. You got that faster than most people do. (laughs) You can find Kawartha Lakes stories like I did at Kent Bookstore in Lindsay. Well worth it, especially Ann Rocky's story. That one really stands out. Sarah Walker introduced me to a new word during my chat with her, or at least a word I don't remember hearing for quite some time, anthologist. And we here on the program, well, we're all about new words. Heck, one of our most popular regular features is... Well-defined. 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 What does that mean, anyway? Well-defined. I am downstairs at the Kawartha Lakes Public Library here in Lindsay, and seated across from me is Lindsay Bone. She is a library specialist for outreach and community engagement for the Kawartha Lakes Public Library. As always, as always, thank you so much for doing this, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. I love to be back on the show. I understand you have a word that ties into Christmas and the holiday season, but before we get to that, this, there's such an ebb and flow to what the library system has been dealing with over the last 18 months. So what can we expect now? Well, the holiday season is fast approaching, so I wanted to share two great gift suggestions on behalf of the library. So last year we had library mugs for sale and those are just about gone. So we have added two new items that you can purchase for the holiday season. Uh, the first one is called a mini book light, and the second one is a pop socket. Do you know what a pop socket is, Denise? No, I was going to brag and say that I know what a mini light is, but I do not know what a, <laughs> what a pop socket is. It sounds like a kick show. Is that one of the Paw Patrol kids or something? No, 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 not quite. We're marketing for a little bit of a different age group, uh, but pop sockets are handy little things. They attach to the back of your phone uh, so that you can hold your phone better, and they also serve as a phone stand. Uh, So they're great for taking pictures, watching a movie, or even for texting. So I think, Denis, you might enjoy this as sort of a bit of a techie. Pop socket? A pop socket. That's it. That should have been our word for the... There we go. I'm done. I'm going (laughs) to... Yes, uh, but both items are available at all library branches. Book lights are $5 each, and a pop socket is 
are four dollars each so these will fit nicely inside a christmas stocking then we you got it or if are those aren't for you you could always get your kid a free library card because the possibilities there are always endless too okay so what is our well-defined word for this segment okay well keeping with the holiday spirit our new word today is con concomitant 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 so it means happening at the same time as something else or being accompanied or connected yeah, so holiday spirit is related highly with concomitant snow decorations and delicious festive recipes. So holiday spirit is connected to all of those things that make up the Christmas, uh, Christmas time. Yeah, but connected to sounds so boring. Let's go with concomitant. Yeah, concomitant. <laughs> That's your new word this month. Great. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. My name is Deja Brathwaite from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Quartha Lake. You know something is catching on when you can start referring to it in an abbreviated form. For instance, 10 years ago, you probably would have known what an electric vehicle is, but you might have scratched your head wondering what an EV is. Well, EV is now part of our language as electric vehicles become less niche and more accessible and affordable and popular and, and part of many old political parties' platforms promising all kinds of incentives for going full-on electric. Even The Advocate magazine's Ginny Collings recently went electric. You can read about it in her column in the December issue. But there's still some consumer hesitancy out there, of course, especially from those of us living in non-urban centers where trips can be longer and public charging stations fewer. William McCallum and his wife Susan own the Falcon Ridge Inn and Bed and Breakfast in Alma, New Brunswick, but William is a former high school teacher here in Kawartha Lakes and also an early adopter of EVs. Well, William joins me on the line now from his Falcon Ridge Inn and Bed and Breakfast in New Brunswick. Hey, William, thanks for being with us. Hi, Denis. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, first question. Do you still own that little Mitsubishi that I remember seeing back in, was it 2011 or 2012, I guess? Yeah, we still do. We bought it in October of 2012 at the Peterborough Mitsubishi dealer, and we brought it down here uh, when we moved to New Brunswick. Uh, but we also, we also now own another EV, uh, a Chevy Bolt that we bought on Prince Edward Island uh, two and a half years ago. The range on that uh, little Mitsubishi was only 140 kilometers uh, at the best of times. Uh, um, but my, my commute, uh, I lived uh, in Orange Corners actually, not, not quite in Peterborough and commuted to Weldon daily. And uh, so it was a round trip of almost 60 kilometers, which was just about perfect for this little vehicle, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it meant that I could um, power up at home and then actually power up at work as well. Um, and so uh, I, I really didn't have any trouble uh, with range uh, on my commute at all. What adjustments did you have to make driving an EV compared to that of a, a gas powered vehicle, especially when you compare to the adjustments a person would have to make if they owned one in downtown Toronto back then? Well, it, it, the EV works very nicely on the 80 kilometer an hour uh, secondary highways in Ontario. Um, I didn't have to really change much other than when I wanted to drive 
you know, further into uh, Toronto or, or beyond, uh, which I never really did in, in the uh, Mitsubishi. We had an, another vehicle at the time that we used. Uh, and for longer trips, we now use our Chevy Bolt, which has a over 400 kilometer range. So I don't think I would say to people that you need a backup vehicle if you buy an EV in uh, Lindsay these days because of the prevalence of the fast chargers um, and, and the level two chargers. So there are lots of chargers. I mean, unless you are driving, I don't know, due north uh, regularly uh, and into areas where you might not have a, an EV charger for, uh, you know, 100 kilometers or more, uh, then, then you, might, you might be a little concerned. But these days, other than that, uh, I think if you're in the Lindsay area, uh, you could you could certainly um, probably do all of your driving in an EV at this point, just with a little bit of planning and knowing where the uh, charging stations are. I don't like driving at the best of times. So is, is that a stress level, or is it is it just one little thing that eh, you know what? It's it's no different than finding out where the gas station is. Well, you know what? Uh, for our long distance dr driving, we we have driven our our Chevy Bolt um, to Ontario and back from New Brunswick a number of times now, oh. actually. Basically, we're in the habit of driving for two hours and then and then stopping. Now, um, at our age, I actually <laughs> like to have the excuse to only drive for two hours at a time because, you know, I get stiff and, and pain, you know, sore and things. So uh, um, it's actually a good excuse to stop driving and to power up. And that way, you know, even though we have over 400 kilometers range on this new vehicle, that way, if you if you're planning to stop every two hours, you're not getting down close to zero, and you're not into you know panic mode as to whether you can get a charge. And if that charger is being used, you always have a plan B. You you go to the next one. Um, so you always have two in mind that are at about the two hour mark. Do you ever remember running out of uh, I guess not gas, but r running out of battery power on a trip and going oh oh now what? There have been a couple of times uh, in the past when uh, I've gotten down to what the vehicle says is is zero, basically. But uh, you know, the the worst actually, the the worst time was um, I was five minutes from home commuting from Weldon, and uh, and I looked down and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I was just driving past uh, a colleague, a teacher at Weldon's house. And so I pulled in their driveway and their son answered the door. And I said, listen, I'm not sure that I can get home. Uh, is your mother here? And he, he said, no. And I said, well, I don't think she'll mind. I'm going to plug into your outside socket here. And he said, well, come on in. I'll make some tea. And we sat and drank tea for 20 minutes or so while my car was you know charged up a little bit enough that i knew i could get home and that's literally <laughs> the worst in in nine years of driving an ev that's literally the worst thing that happened and uh and and mary uh the woman who you know whose house whose son uh you know came to my rescue uh said afterwards anytime you need to do that that's fine and she apologized for not being there so i mean it was perfectly fine so i guess the lesson <laughs> there is uh even if you don't have charging stations you can obviously use just a regular ac plug but just know that in a community such as ours be nice to your neighbors because you, you may need their electric socket on the way home <laughs> that's true but a lot of people think oh you have to power up at these um fast chargers on the highway that's it's not true there are lots of uh, places that you can find Instead of driving around with a jerry can, just bring an extra extension cord with you and knock on somebody's door and politely ask if you can use their outdoor plug. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I haven't had to do that. I haven't had to ask a stranger yet, but <laughs> I hope I don't have to do that. We're also dealing with way more rural roads here than we would in, in a, an urban center, be it Toronto or Fredericton, especially in the winter when you're on a rural road. What, what can you impart? Yeah, I mean, you'll certainly notice the range goes down uh, when you've got uh, snow tires on, uh, when you've got the heater going in the vehicle. Um, one thing that surprised me is the extent of the the uh, effect of, the, of a headwind. If you're driving into a headwind, a very, very windy day, uh, the uh, range can fall quite dramatically. Um, and uh, the other thing is actually driving on snow. So if you're driving um, on on the road where it hasn't been plowed recently and you know a couple inches of snow has fallen, trudging through that snow has quite an effect on, on the range as well. So you know, consider waiting until the, until the winds die down, honestly. Especially with people living in Rayboro where I lived for many years and couldn't, couldn't believe the amount of wind. Okay, just finally, um, what would you tell the person like me, William, who's hesitant, especially because of where we live and the longer trips? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, and I feel guilty for being that person who says, I want to wait and see. I, I'm not proud of that. What would you tell me to, to, to quell any of my hesitancy, my fear? Well, I would say drive one, first of all. You know, uh, find a friend or a neighbor and ask them, you know, can you, can you take their, their car for a drive? Can you test it out? I think most EV drivers are happy to let people, you know, test their car. That dispels a lot of fears in people right there. Um, but go for it. Well, that's a wrap for episode 45. And speaking of wrap, you've got your Christmas shopping done, right? This is our last show before the new year. More shows to come in 2022. A big thanks to our exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers, for making that possible. If you need a lawyer, check them out at wardlegal.ca. Carissa and Jason Ward and their team, well, they definitely have all your legal needs covered. And thanks to the theatrical talents of Atticus Cox, who was pretty convincing in his role in Mission Control as I got my booster. From vaccinator and pharmacist extraordinaire Kathy Puffer, Gerald Van Halteren is responsible for our theme and musical Bridges. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Corth Lakes is produced by me, Denis Grignon. Wishing you a happy and extra safe holiday season. We're going to get through this. Talk to you in 2022.